Baby, it's cold outside. Baby, it's cold outside. Been hoping that you drop in. <laughs> I'll hold your hands just like guys. Nah, Dylan. Beautiful, please don't hurry. You're right, keep singing. Let it go on a little more. Most beautiful time of the year. Beautiful, please don't hurry. Oh, I'll put some records on while I pour. Bad <laughs> out there. Dylan, we're going to get a copyright strike. Oh, great. That's great. We're going to be canceled. Man, I've been here for about five minutes. I just hit record while you were uh, serenading the masses. Well, I guess we found a new intro. (laughs) We did, Dylan. We found a new intro, man. That was was pretty impressive, actually. I think uh, Nashville's rubbing off on you, or maybe Brittany's rubbing off on you. No, we have a saying here in Nashville, and Nashville looks good on you. Nashville looks good on you. Dylan, what's up, man? How was your weekend, man? Weekend was really busy, Rob. Um, Saturday was a little bit better as far as uh, being able to watch TV, Uh, (laughs) even though I didn't really do much when I'm usually watching the games. Uh, On Sunday, even though I don't normally work, uh, my bar manager was nice enough to swap out my Thursday for this Sunday, so I'll be able to go home and spend some time with my family this week. That's awesome, dude. Speaking of that, it is. It's it's the Thanksgiving show. I didn't even think Happy about that. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving to all. Happy Thanksgiving to all the Native Americans, to all the white Europeans, everybody, all races. Happy Thanksgiving, man, to my fellow. We are thankful that you are listening with us, and we are thankful that you are growing with us. Dude, I got I to gotta say, this is my favorite holiday out of all the holidays, Dylan. I don't know about you, but I like to really? eat. Thanksgiving? It is, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why. I'm going to break it down really quickly. Thanksgiving is my, and then you can tell me what your favorite holiday is. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday because I, as a kid, we would always go to Louisiana, which is where I'm going to Wednesday after I get off of work. It's a 12-hour drive for me now from where I am, Dylan. But I remember when we first moved to the U.S., we lived in El Paso, Texas, and Leesville, Louisiana, where my dad is from, which is about an hour from Lafayette, That is a a 15-and-a-half-hour drive across the entire state of Texas from the western tip uh, near New Mexico and Arizona all the way across. Anyway, we used to make that trip. Grandma would always be cooking up the most insane food. You'd have your traditional Thanksgiving stuff. You'd have turkey. You'd have your stuffings. But she'd make like two stuffings. She'd make what's called dirty rice. I don't know if you've ever had dirty rice, but it is – it is fantastic. So she brought the cage. She'd bring the Cajun food out as well, man. And uh, then I've she'd had make plenty of that. <laughs> she'd make these pecan praline candies from scratch. She'd make those. She'd have those in little tins all around the house. She always had just bowls of of candy and cookies and everything that she would just make, man. And to this day, my grandma is. Mm, I don't know how old she is. I want to say that she's pushing ninety, maybe eighty six or eighty seven. Still drives. Still speeds. And yeah, that's a big memory for me. But 
the the main reason I love Thanksgiving is I love food, I love eating, I love football, and I love people, man. I love family. It's a time where everybody gets together. You're guaranteed that day off, typically, that Thursday off. Don't really care for Black Friday. That's more of a commercial aspect. But to me, the same reason why Christmas to me is it's okay. You give gifts, but it's become extremely commercialized. Thanksgiving is literally just about reflecting on what you have. You sit around all day. You eat food. You reconnect with some old lost family members. Maybe you fight with a cousin that you always hated, but it's just a good time, Dylan. I love food. I love football. I love people. And, you know, what better day than that, man? It's a classic. I can understand it from that perspective. Uh, Don't get me wrong. You know, being around family and, as you were saying, being around those those cousins or those aunt and uncles where you have to walk on eggshells or have to be reminded of the family secrets. You know, um, it, it is a good little time. I will say that I, I think per, and this is just me personally, I think Friendsgiving is better than Thanksgiving. Oh. Friendsgiving. Yeah. You're eating just as much, but you're drinking a little bit more. You're a little bit more let loose. If there's a snarky comment or a passive aggressive say, you know, you can instantly just kind of laugh it off because it's just, you know, people that you're close with, you know, you can at least pick and choose the people that come to your friends giving. You can't do that with Thanksgiving. That's true. I, you know, when you put it like that, I mean, so to me, I guess I would kind of lump Friendsgiving into the Thanksgiving holidays, kind of become the 1A, if you will, the add-on of the Thanksgiving holiday. So uh, essentially you're making my point for me that Thanksgiving is awesome because you can eat Thanksgiving several times that week if you have a good group of friends such as you do. So, A lot of cooking. A lot of cooking, dude. A lot of eating. Yeah, but uh, my favorite holiday is uh, 100% Christmas. It's one of the top five sexiest holidays of the year. <laughs> it's a time where you spend time, again, with your family, your loved ones. It's better to give than receive. It's an important time to reflect on the year that you've had, and it's also an optimistic view as to the year that's coming up. It gives you a chance to also step back and really take in all the friends, accomplishments, the tragedies, and the you know, the heartache that you went through. It's just, it's a good little time that all, even if you're going through some, some things and even if the holidays are really hard for any of the listeners out there, it's just, just know that it is a good time. It's the most special time of the year. And it's also a time where you get some gifts in your stocking. Yeah. Stockings are fun. Uh, getting stuffed like a Turkey is fun. Wait, what? That was that was weird. Anyway, Dylan, we've got some football to talk about. We do have some Thanksgiving games coming up this week. Uh, as usual, we'll have the Lions, the Cowboys. We can preview that at the end if we want. But I want to jump right into the Sunday night game here. This game, <laughs> this game was fun, man. I'm not going to lie. You know we're a big Herbie pod. We got the shirts. I thought for sure that the Chargers would win by more than the line, which was six and a half, I think, at closing. They did not. This – this Pittsburgh team, Dylan, as much as I pooped on them, I knew that this would happen because Mike Tomlin, it's just, it's the spirit of Mike Tomlin. He's one of the spirits that comes around Christmas. And Mike Tomlin in November has a way of pushing the right buttons. And I know there's no moral victories, 
The Steelers ended up losing to the Chargers, what I believe was 41-37. I don't have the score in front of me. But this game was back and forth in the fourth quarter. It just seemed like whoever had the ball last was going to win that game until Roethlisberger had the ball down around his own end zone with like second and 30, and then you just knew it was over. But this game was awesome, man. It was it was good to see the Chargers come away at the win. It seemed like the difference between this and the times past, to me, Dylan, in my opinion, was one man. It was number 10. It feels like Justin Herbert was the X factor. It seems like all the Chargers teams of the past, including the Phillip Rivers teams, would have lost that game. And uh, I don't know if you saw the same thing I did, but it, it's a big win for the Chargers, you know, when they kind of needed to make a statement over a team like that. A team who had missing some pieces on defense, you know, I got to give them that, but big win for the Chargers nonetheless. Absolutely. Huge win for the Chargers. Now, it kind of hurts the rest of the AFC that the Steelers tied. Um, I, I just forget, I'm drawing a blank who they tied with. Um, um, oh, no, it was the Lions. Of course it was the Lions. Yeah, it was. It was. They tied with the Lions. So that just gives them a little bit of a literally half a game advantage. And, you know, that also just gives them the flexibility of still being ahead of the other teams that haven't tied. But we don't need to get into the way standings are set up, but we'll just talk about how great Justin Herbert was. He was not only the best player on the field, he was also the leading passer and the leading rusher for the Los Angeles Chargers. He was everything that he was supposed to be and more. I'm happy that he had this stage to do what he did as well because typically as as far as primetime games, you know, you definitely want to shine your brightest because, you know, you're, you're put on the main stage. And, you know, as you were saying, Sunday night football, going up against the Steelers, you're right. They didn't have T.J. Watt. They didn't have Minka Fitzpatrick. And they also didn't have Joe Hayden either. But still, Justin Herbert came out and showed why he is uh, one of the younger, you know, superstars of this league. He is elite. He's done great things for the Chargers. And you've kind of already pointed to uh, the Chargers quarterbacks of previous years. Um, Phillip Rivers, you don't see him rushing for 90 yards in any game, let alone a primetime game to where, you know, you need to be a lead and be able to move the ball to be productive. But I'm happy for the Chargers. A little upset for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, you're right. Earlier this year, man, they uh, – Rob, it feels like we were kind of just writing them off like around like week four or week five. Like I feel like we haven't talked about the Steelers on this pod since they were in that weird position of how old Ben looks. But, hey, they've they started getting off and picking up some Ws, um, even, even though – and they've also picked up a tie as well. But this is this is a loss for the Steelers, but I feel like they'll bounce back. They're still in a very easy division. Well, I say easy. Uh, what I mean is that right now they're in a division where they're still a very winnable team. Like next week they play the Bengals. So if they beat the Bengals, then, you know, they're right back in the conversation of still being atop of their division. The Steelers – it's funny you said I feel bad for the Steelers. That's kind of how I felt watching this game, you know, with neither of us being fans of these teams per se, but just being fans of good players, good coaching, good football. The game delivered. I mean, this is a primetime game that the fans deserved. We've had a couple of really bad Unfortunately, a team had to lose that game. 
as fun as it was, right. unfortunately, a team had to lose. Yeah, a team did have to lose. It, man, it was awesome. What's funny is like I was reading an article before the game that said the Steelers' uh, special teams would really come into play in this game, and then you saw it. You saw it live. I think they had, I think they had a punt block earlier in the game overturned. They did. Now that I think about it, I remember that a punt block overturned earlier in the game. Uh, they said he was offsides or was a, a shank. I don't remember what happened, but they said he was offsides. I thought he timed that snap perfectly. But then you saw a, a similar play in the fourth quarter, but instead of coming around the edge, they uh, they shot through the gap and just beautiful execution, beautiful block. I mean, that fourth quarter was crazy, man. The, the Herbert deflected pass by Hayward that was straight up in the air. To me, it felt like it was up there for about 15 seconds, Dylan. And then you just see – a little, a little speck of white, yellow, and black just come flying into your, your field of view, dive for this ball, make the catch. I mean, the Steelers were in business strictly based off of those two game-changing plays. Oh, they were, in it, uh, for, they were in it the whole – for the majority of the game, and then they eventually tied it, you know, right? When it was yeah. for all, it's like, okay, here we go. Could we get free football or then – or could one of these teams kind of pull away? And then, yeah, and then um, I think they had – so they had those two plays. They end up tying it. The Chargers get the ball, right? The Chargers get the ball. And I think they ended up turning it over on downs, Dylan. So the Steelers get the ball on the plus side of the field, and they just can't get down and score a touchdown. So they end up kicking a field goal. They go up by three, and then you saw the rest. Herbert with just an absolute dark to Mike Williams. It looks like he just kind of – stands there doesn't even need to it looks like it's almost all arm when he throws that ball and he just finds mike williams who does the rest has a huge touchdown but man i'm getting i'm getting excited just thinking about this game austin eckler was insane uh herbert was insane i gotta say i think if the steelers have tj watt um do i think he's worth the four points that they lost by honestly i do i think it makes a huge difference in that game uh, yeah, because they have TJ and Minka Fitzpatrick, Justin Herbert doesn't rush for almost a hundred yards. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I, I typically, you know, every team goes through injuries. Every team has to overcome. But I think you and I can both agree that if they have TJ Watt harassing him all day and kind of watching him, and if they have Minka on the on the on the end of the field there. I don't think Minka lets Mike Williams get in the end zone there. As a matter of fact, 100 times out of 100, I would bet on Minka Fitzpatrick to either make a play or stop him from ever getting down the field like that. So, man, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you have the standings, but it's a tough division. You've got the Ravens. You've got the Bengals. The Bengals took care of business this week. I didn't really have a chance to look at that game too much, Dylan. I know you were excited. Your boy Joe Burrow gets a big win. The Raiders are kind of free-falling, man. And we can just kind of stay here in this division in the AFC because the Raiders are free falling. The Bengals come up with a win. It's kind of up in the air now who's the best in the AFC North. But Well, I've got the uh, standings right here, and they're – jeez. Let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. The worst team in that division are, are the Browns, and they're 6-5. Six 6-5. and five. Six and five. Okay, I, I think the Browns are done. I think we can put the done chain on them. Absolutely. Not the turnover chain. I feel bad for Baker Mayfield. He has cost himself about fifty to a hundred million dollars by just playing these last two weeks because he's played hurt. I believe he's got a a shoulder. I believe it's, I believe he has a torn labrum, which 
Mm. Speaking as someone who's had a torn labrum, it just it's painful to just even lift your arm past your shoulder length level. He also has something wrong with his heel, and uh, I think I even read a report today that he uh, he has something wrong with his knee after the Sunday's game. So he he just he's getting beat up. He's not healthy. Yeah, the Browns beat the Lions, but they only beat them by a field goal. And Baker played pretty terrible, and he shunned away from the criticism, which normally he embraces criticism. But this is the first time I've seen Baker Mayfield really shun. But yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, I was I was just agreeing with you, man. You've you've got to you've got to feel like I, I feel bad for Baker because the situation he's in isn't ideal, right? He's he's just so tough and he wants to win so badly and he wants to prove everybody wrong. You know, and he's put in this situation where you've got the Odell situation that's toxic. Jarvis, you know, Jarvis is back, but is he back? Is he still hurt? He doesn't seem like he's the Jarvis Landry that you could count on to get, you know, seven, eight, nine catches. I, I don't know what his stat line was, but the only reason the Browns win at all is because of one man, and that man is Nick Chubb. When Nick Chubb's rolling, they win. This win was ugly, but it's interesting you bring up that Baker cost himself a bunch of money. See, Dylan, I don't look at things like in, in this fashion typically, but you've got to say, is I don't know if this is this the last year of his deal? This is the last year where he, he could have been extended. So now I think I even said it on a previous pod. I think um, Baker Mayfield is going to have the Kirk Cousins route. So I think they're going to pick up his fifth-year option because you, obviously you can win games, go to the playoffs, and win a playoff game with Baker Mayfield. But is he capped? So if he's, if he's capped that way, and in my opinion, I think that Baker Mayfield came through on his promise. He – he said when he came into the Cleveland Browns, he was going to change the culture and he was going to be the guy that changes everything. Well, technically, he's already done that. You know, when before he got there, ladies and gentlemen, keep in mind, they were 0-16 when they got Baker Mayfield. And the year before that, I think they maybe won like one or two games. So within a matter of two years, they only won two games. That is awful. And, you know, he gets there. Yeah, he's got a bunch of talent around him. But yet, there's still having a winning season. There's expectations for the Browns to not only make the playoffs, but make the Super Bowl, which definitely weren't the expectation of the Browns to do any of that. But then Baker Mayfield comes in again, winning season. You make the playoffs, you get a playoff win. He's just, you know, he he's done what he needs to do to show the organization that he can win games, but you're not going to, the Browns are not going to win a game because of Baker Mayfield. Like they can win with him, but they can't win because of him. That's the perfect way to put it. They can win in spite of him. They can win with him. That's true because this this past Sunday they did win in spite of him. Blake Baker Mayfield played very terribly, but yet they came away with the win because of dun, 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 Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb. He's uh, he's awesome. Nick Chubb is one of. The best He's been running fun backs. to watch ever since Georgia. He, but then you know we were all really worried when he did go down with that terrible knee injury against uh, the Tennessee Volunteers in college. We thought that you know will Nick Chubb ever be the Nick Chubb we were used to seeing? But then he's just shrugged that off and obviously made such a huge impact as one of the best pure runners in the NFL. Yeah, he's he's just so much fun to watch. He's powerful. He's 
dynamic. He can make the cuts, all the jukes. He, he's got good size on him. A healthy Nick Chubb is arguably the best running back in the league. I know that Derrick Henry would say, hold my chalice, you know, and Christian McCaffrey might have something to say. Jonathan couple, Taylor will have Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor would have a lot to say. He actually had a lot to say this week, Dylan. Jonathan Taylor, unless you've got more on the Browns and the Lions, it's Jonathan Taylor time. Yes, it is. Let's go. I've been waiting on This is one of the segments I've been waiting on. Let's go. There's so much to unpack because Jonathan Taylor had one, two, three, five touchdowns in this game. Five. It seemed like every time that red zone cut away to another game, it was the Colts game. And mind you, I forgot for a second that they were in Buffalo. They're in upstate New York. Dylan, pregame, everybody was talking about the weather. They're talking about it being a, a, a New York winter type of game. Lots of wind. I think 10-mile-an-hour-plus gusts, maybe gusting up into the teens. It was raining. It was wet. It was ugly. It was nasty. Now, one would think this definitely lends itself to a game where it's going to be not that many points scored not that many touchdowns, not that ma- not that much passing. Well, there was still a little bit of both. The Colts really got that ground game going. Jonathan Taylor had five touchdowns. The Bills, I don't know what's going on with them. I made one note when I was watching this, and it was, what's ailing the Bills? Is it Josh Allen? Is it the defense? Is it Brian Dable? Dylan, they've now lost two of three. I'm pretty sure the Bills lost to the Jags, right? Nine to six? Correct. Okay. I think they got a win in between there. A kind of a ho-hum, okay, great. You beat a bad team and you barely beat them kind of win. I don't remember who they played. Who cares? And then they come out at home and every single thing that could go wrong went wrong, Dylan. I, I was sick to my stomach watching this game, man. I just don't know what's wrong with this team. Well, I was – happy watching this game my admiration of Jonathan Taylor has been actually it started with games like this except they weren't in Indianapolis Rob they were in Madison Wisconsin at the University of Wisconsin where if you get a cold muggy rainy game well that's the Madison weather for I want to say at least six of their games yearly. So about half of their games, you know, it's going to be that weather. And Jonathan Taylor is used to that kind of, I mean, he, he was drafted from Wisconsin to play in games like that and to be as dominant as he was. He was hands down the best player on both sides for both teams on the field, the whole game. And it showed. And, he has these Colts believing. I believe uh, at one point we were asking, you know, who was the best. Uh, I think I think uh, we did this when it was uh, every everyone was like, I think it was like week eight or so. We did, uh, you know, who we thought was the best three and five team, and both or both of us and Justin, I think we all we all gave like three teams apiece. But I think like one of the teams that we all, or two of the teams that we all said, we're going to just kind of get a little bit better as the year goes on. One of them was the Colts and the other one was the Patriots and the Colts. 
I mean, y'all should be happy as far as Eagle fans because Carson Wentz looks like he's definitely playing more than 70%. He's looking – you take away the two Tennessee games, Carson Wentz has played very well and very admirable for this Colts team. And, of course, Jonathan Taylor is getting a bigger workload, it seems, from the, over the last couple weeks. They're right there in the hunt. I believe they're five and six now, I think so. Or they may be a 500 – I, I know they're right around there. Yeah, they're right there. They're right where they need to be. And they're ascending, too. And that's that's another thing as far as the AFC because you have teams like the Chargers, the Bills, the um, the Bengals, the Raiders. You know, you have all these teams that have, yeah, about five, six wins, but they're all – like there's so much to play like down the stretch. Uh, this is the first time I've seen the AFC and NFC actually have parity within both conferences as far as seeding and as far as who can win the Super Bowl. But, you know, getting back to the Bills and Colts, uh, the Bills, uh, Rob, I feel like I have an answer as to what's really what's really bothering them. Okay. They don't have a run game. No, they defensive don't. Defensive coordinators get paid millions of dollars to find a weakness and not only exploit it, really just put it on uh, display for everyone else in the NFL. Devin Singletary and Zach Moss of the Buffalo Bills, you can't even say one or the other is the best runner. Because if you, I feel like if you just ask the average NFL fan who's the best runner on the Buffalo Bills, I, I can feel as though 60% are going to say Josh Allen, like the quarterback's the best rusher. And I'd be involved in that 60%. May even be more. But, you know, they attempt to get the get run game going. They just don't have the playmakers to do so. So now it falls a little bit more on Josh Allen. Yes, there may be a little bit of pressure with him getting all that money and them being right now a, and I emphasize fringe, wild card team instead of being one of the top two teams in the AFC where everyone, including themselves, really picture them being. And, you know, they're, they're right now a little bit in a, uh, at a crossroads. So I don't think it's the play calling. I don't think it's Josh Allen. I just think that it's the run the run game has not been non existent now for about a year and a half, maybe two years. And again, defensive coordinators get paid millions of dollars to figure that out and figure out, okay, well if Josh Allen's gonna beat us, he's gonna beat us not only running or I'm sorry, throwing the ball, but also running the ball too. And you really don't want to get Josh Allen hurt either. That's why I see, or I've noticed that Brian Dayball doesn't really call as many uh, quarterback power runs or quarterback sweep as much as he did last year. You just don't want to get him hurt, and rightfully so. But it's just two different uh, ways to look at it. I think the Bills are, I don't want to put them as fraudulent or I don't want to put them as, you know, false. They're just kind of struggling right now. Uh, the Colts, as I said earlier, they're ascending, and their schedule really helps them along the way as well. I think the Bills are okay when I when I look at their games, and I you know we're giving them a lot of grief also for that game where they beat the Dolphins, and I think they only won by like fifteen or sixteen or or whatever it was. But you know we're kind of looking at the whole body of work, and we forget this is also a Bills team that beat the Texans forty to zero. Um, I think they beat the Chiefs by 18. They've had some impressive wins, but in this game, 
I just want you know, it's what have you done for me lately? And lately, this offense, it has seemed off. Even in the forty-five seventeen win over the Jets, I, I mean, it's the Jets. Okay, you're supposed to do that. You were supposed to do that to the Jaguars. I think it's a little bit of of both. It was everything that went wrong. I don't know if you saw the play. It was the kickoff return, Dylan, where the uh, the Colts had just scored. And the Bills fumbled the kickoff return. It, I, it was right before the half. I made some notes. It was two minutes left. They get the ball. It's 17-7. They fumble the ball. The guy runs out. The turf monster, the invisible hand of God, reaches out, touches his shoe. He falls down. Ball pops out. He wasn't touched. Colts recover. They scored. They scored right after that. It's 24-7. To me, that was a huge moment in the game where – you could just kind of feel the energy like leave that stadium, right? As you know, they had gotten back in the swing of things. They'd gone down and had a good drive. They scored. Then the Colts scored, but you kind of felt like it was going to turn into maybe one of those Chargers Steelers shootouts, just back and forth. And when that happened and the Colts capitalized, it was a huge letdown. Um, you know, the Colts are good. Carson Wentz looked fine in this game, and that's okay. He didn't he didn't make any, you know, spectacular throws. Uh, it was nice to see T.Y. Hilton get involved. I did see – I don't know if you saw the Carson Wentz escape play, but that was pretty cool. It, yes, it was, uh... that, that reminds me of what he did in Philly where he would literally yes. duck pass rushers and just without any hesitation just <laughs> run. Like he, he would just give a little duck and just take off. That it reminded me of 2017. It was 2017. It was the Super Bowl run. It was the Redskins, I believe, and he did the same thing. He kind of was in the in the grass. There's a huge pile of bodies. He ducks and he comes out the other end. And the, I remember the announcer being like, "And Carson Wentz is back, and he's going to be Carson Wentz is escaping." Like the way he, the way he said it, like it was like, "Oh crap!" You just saw him run out. It was kind of the same thing. This announcer, I don't know who it is. It's one of the goats. He was like, he commented, he was like, and Carson Wentz has found the escape hatch. And he just like ducked under and ran down the field. He's got this goofy ass run when he's running, but uh, it was fun to see. It was fun if you're a Colts fan. Dylan, the Colts are six and five, not five and six. They are on the plus side of 500. They're, they're in second place in their division, man. And if they didn't have those two losses to uh, the Titans, you know, we everybody would be looking at this team as a Super Bowl contender. I still think they're exactly you that. You put the Colts and Titans up against each other right now. Who do you think is going to win that game? I say the Colts. Now the Colts, man. They're trending in the right direction. Now, yeah. They're trending in the right direction. Carson Wentz is limiting his mistakes. When they were losing, he was having two picks and a fumble, two fumbles and a pick. You know what I mean? He's limiting his mistakes. Frank Reich, the some of the play designs that he has, it's what you see with a lot of these great NFL coaches. Uh, they have these fun play designs, but they're using all the pieces, man. Jonathan Taylor, it's just it's incredible. I, I saw a video where the coaching staff was talking he about him in private. Challenging the throne to Garrett Henry. He's <laughs> He may not overtake the throne, but he's at least challenging the throne. Yeah, the, uh, the dogs agree. The dog, they're apparently they're huge JT fans. I, I don't have enough good things to say about the Colts, Dylan. This was a huge win for them. You want to talk about measuring about a measuring stick? You want to talk about seeing a goal, setting a goal, and smashing through that barrier? Look, I am all aboard the Colts train, man. I'm happy for them. I'm happy for Frank Reich. I'm happy for Wentz. It seems like his ankles are holding up. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor is just an incredible specimen of a running back. But 
that was a huge win, man. I, I honestly think – I mean, even now, even now, I think if you put the Bills against the Colts again, I think the Colts win because of what you said. They have a running game. They're balanced, and then they have the defense to back it up. The Bills just – Josh Allen can't be your running back and your passer, you know? Like, he can't. And other guys got to step up, man. Stephon Diggs had two touchdown grabs, another insane catch in the in the side corner of the end zone, just incredible body control by 14. But Cole Beasley, where are you? Emmanuel Sanders, where are you? I mean, these guys got to step up, man. It's just Josh Allen, Brian Dable, they can only do so much. But a uh, little fun fact real quick, Dylan, and then we can move on. Did you know that up until this point in the season, Josh Allen was the uh, leading contender for National League MVP, according to the Time Travelers in Vegas? That, as of Sunday's poor performance, has changed. Do you want to know who the next frontrunner is for uh, MVP at this point? I would say – I'd still say Tom Brady. Wow, you're good. You nailed it. Tom Brady is now the number one – uh, contender, so he has the least favorable odds. You can make the least amount of money if you pick him and he wins, but he is now the leading favorite to win that uh, to win that trophy, that award, and that is a guy that we will have uh, playing tonight as well on the national stage, so we can talk about him before we close things out. Dylan, there was tons of football, and I hate to do this to you right in the middle, right when we're really starting to have a good uh, rapport with each other. We're building up trust, but you know, with the circle of trust comes the circle of pain. And the Eagles were dishing out lots of that this Sunday, Dylan. Our teams, they went head-to-head. We were very respectful all week long. I didn't trash talk you. You didn't trash talk me. You know, I don't even think we texted each other during the game, to be honest, not once. So we were locked in. The Eagles were locked in. Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni are absolutely laser-focused, locked in. That running game is rolling and I'm pretty sure the Saints were the number one rushing defense in the country coming into this week. Pretty sure. I know there are lots of injuries, but I was definitely shocked to see the Eagles kind of stick to their guns, not get cute. We've seen the Eagles in the past, especially early in the year. Sirianni be like, well, the blah, 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 blah. So we had to pass because we can't run. Well, Sirianni has learned a lot. This is a rookie head coach. It's a very young guy. He has tons of growing pains. He will continue to have pains and growing pains, but he stuck to his guns, man, and the Eagles were able to run the ball and do some good things on offense here. The Saints made a game of it at the end, but honestly, Dylan, it just seems like you guys had way too many missing pieces. It was a valiant effort, but there's only so much that Sean Payton can do when you're missing a lot of your key guys. Yeah. I'm glad you put it in a nice, really summed up professional way. That's just who you are. Just, you know. Absolutely, a gentleman. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm not a gentleman. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Don't want to be because gentlemen get treated. Yeah, they get treated with respect just because they're so much as, you know, giving it out and just really just earning. Well, people like me don't have the patience for something like that. We like just taking that respect because, you know, we have just enough loud of a voice and enough of a command to do so. And normally Sean Payton has that command, but he's playing with Trevor Simeon, who is bad, (laughs) like really bad. And 
it's terrible because this was an ass kicking. The entire, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, the score says forty to twenty nine, and yeah, Rob did bring up some good points, but watching this as a Saints fan, this was an ass kicking. Now I am watching this with a little bit of optimism because I'm excited to see Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense for a full month, like get into an actual click. But I'll get into that in a little bit. I'll just stay with the Saints at this point. It's tough because here we are, late November, and ladies and gentlemen, injuries and not having key players are always going to affect you when, again, defensive coordinators figure out what they can expose you to, and they expose you. And the more and more you play backup quarterbacks, the more they get exposed. And right now, Trevor Simeon is not the guy – they were already really shaky with Jameis Winston being the guy, and then unfortunately he gets hurt. Of course, Alvin Kamara is not playing. I guess Michael Thomas has just quit. I don't I don't know what that situation is. I don't even want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand Michael Thomas, man. We don't even need to get into that ass clown. Like, I don't just can't, dude. Like, he's a traitor, bro. It's The traitor would be an improvement, but – it's it's difficult right now for the Saints because they're just put in a weird position because of the obviously with the salary cap situation, it's not like this team is really gonna go anywhere unless you start trading away key assets. I don't think Sean Payton's at that level yet. Uh, I look at this as how Bill Belichick was last year during his seven and nine run with a bunch of opt outs, a quarterback who can barely throw the ball and just a lot just kind of going against him. Well, it's a little bit of the same here. So the Saints defense is very respectable, very good. As you were saying, they were the number one rushing defense, but that doesn't seem to matter playing the Eagles the last two years. But (laughs) they're a pretty ferocious defense, and there's only so much they can really hold up to because obviously unless they're scoring touchdowns, there's not so much as they can really do as far as really scoring. And, the again, the Saints are just put in a very awkward position because there's really no big-time quarterback coming up in the draft. I mean, that's – I'll get into how the comparison of that is here in just a moment. But it's tough to watch as a Saints fan. You know, they've lost three straight games. There's no vision to them getting better. So – I feel like once they lose this Thursday night in the primetime position to the Bills, then, ladies and gentlemen, we'll have officially seen the end of the New Orleans Saints season for 2021. Now, getting to the Eagles. Big props to Nick Sirianni. We made fun of him. We made fun of his highlighters. We made fun I of sure did. Highlighter. We made fun of a lot of his quirky behavior. Well, those quirks are gone. Visor, highlighter, they're all gone. See ya. Um, Yeah. Jalen Hurts, again, whole solid month of just contributing and making plays on offense. Yeah, he didn't have the biggest passing yards, but he didn't need to. He was making defenders and the number one rushing defense look silly. There was one play where he literally just gave like a oop-de-oop juke. And it looked like the defensive end had literally just come like tore his ACL or at least <laughs> did, did some kind of pain. 
And, you know, obviously he's clicking with Devontae Smith and they're just, they're making beautiful music right now for the Philadelphia Eagles. That young crew, Jalen Hurts just slinging the ball. and Dylan, there were a lot of Hurts breaks ankles tweets on the uh, Eagles Bleeding Green Nation Twitter feed. I can un- I, yeah, because and I'm surprised they didn't post up that video because once I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, that's an injury. Like I, I thought Carl Grandinson had legitimately either tore his ACL or at least – like sprained his ankle like he literally was going one way and then had to come all the way back and try to reach to get up even get Jalen Hurts but you know Jalen Hurts scored three rushing tutties in this game like he really took over and again I'm happy for the Eagles growth I said in our group text messages this morning the Eagles could potentially finish uh, 10 and 7 and just to kind of show what I believe is I, what I've been saying even before the season started, I thought that the y'all should take those three first round picks and invest into Jalen Hurts, not go against him. Yeah, Ladies and gentlemen, the quarterback class coming into this year, Jalen Hurts is already better than them. Like he's a better thrower and runner. There's no quarterback that just outplays him, and you know it's a very good defensive and offensive line draft. So if you have three first-round picks, potentially three in the top 20, you can rebuild a defense and rebuild an offensive line very quick for a young core that's just getting better and better. Um, right now, the rest of the schedule is very – it leans toward – Rob and Justin will love this too. It le- It's set up for y'all to be on – currently on a, I believe it was a five-game winning streak heading into the very last week when you host Dallas. So right now you're five and six. So right now the schedule, the way that it sets up, I believe you play the Giants twice, the Washington football team twice, and the Jets. So that's a five-game potential win streak that you have coming in at 10 and six with a showdown in Dallas at the link. There's so much potential yet. I've got to be honest, as an Eagles fan – I'm torn, Dylan. I'm torn, man. Like I want I want the city to be excited. I want to see my team do well. I love seeing Jalen Hurts do well. I want Nick Sirianni to get a full opportunity, and that means a full season and then some. Let's not make him a lame duck or a one-year head coach. We knew it was a rebuilding phase. And I think that Jeff Lurie's smart enough to do that. But what worries me, Dylan – is the same thing that has worried me with the Eagles organization in the past. We don't like mediocrity, but when the Eagles can make the playoffs, it's like all is well in the universe. Howie Roseman, he takes the same bull of goods that he's been selling you all year long when you were struggling in this aspect and struggling over here, and he recycles it. He goes into his office and he, he rolls it up into a ball, and then he unrolls it, right? And then he puts some kind of magic dust on it. And then he brings you out this new piece of paper and this is the new Eagles. And they're going to be so much better and wait till training camp. And then you look at that piece of paper, right? Dylan, you look at that piece of paper and you're like, all right, all right, what do we do? We have a new linebacker. No, no, we got a free agent uh, who was cut three times. Okay. We got him. That's cool. All right. Did he address our, our aging uh, line over here? No. Okay. Did he address the safety position? need? This is what they do, Dylan. When the Eagles start to win, the fans 
the fan base, they check in, they buy the tickets, they go to the games, they talk about it on, on the radio shows, babies are born, they're wearing green, everybody's excited, then we lose. And the next year comes around, we do the same exact thing. No big changes, we don't go for any of the position skill players that we know we need because we just don't need them, we can live without them. I'm afraid, Dylan, if we continue to win, that the ego, the conceit, the ego, the bravado that is Howie Roseman will continue to take over and not make the right decisions when it comes to the offseason. Now, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that we invest in Jalen Hurts. I hope that we don't look to the Northwest and see a disgruntled Russell Wilson and a situation that's fading quickly and mortgage the future, right? We did that with Wentz. We saw how it turned out. But this is what happened. Wentz had a great year, and then we had 2018 and 2019 and 2020, and every year we kept saying, it's going to be different. It's going to be different. And it got worse, man. We were a 500-ball club every single year. I don't think we go 10-7. and I'd love to see it, but I just – I want the picks, man. I want high picks. I don't think we're quite there. I don't. I'll also have you know that I'm pretty sure Jalen Rager was a healthy scratch for this game. If that tells you how we feel about the former, uh, you know, top pick from last year's draft. So a lot of faith. I believe, in, I believe Kenny Genwell was a healthy scratch as well. That is very interesting. I didn't know that. Now, you do bring me to another good point, Dylan, the running backs in the running game. Jordan Howard, this has been the resurrection of the corpse of Jordan Howard. I mean, he was he was awful last year, okay? We, we had to pick him up. Guys got hurt. He was on the practice squad. He might have played one game. Jordan Howard, without Jordan Howard, we do not win these games. Miles just came back off of IR. Had a great game running. Had the one uh, fumble that got uh, recovered by the other team. That was a bonehead play. You can't do that. He gifted you guys a touchdown down there in the red zone when you guys were struggling to move the ball. So other than that, he looked great. But Jordan Howard actually got injured in this game, Dylan. So I know he's going to miss a few weeks. That's going to be a huge loss in my opinion. Now it's great that Miles is back. They can continue to run the rock play Kenny G a little bit, but Jordan Howard's been a huge part of this game. He definitely deserves a shout-out for the way that he's run. He's been been running hard. I don't know his averages. I don't know his numbers, but if I were to guess, I'd say he was easily averaging over four yards a carry during this stretch. So the Eagles are rolling, man. It's exciting. The Eagles are rolling. We've spent tons of time on them. I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I'm not trying to rub it in your face. I feel for you, Dylan. I like Sean Payton. I like the Saints. I like Jameis. Just, I mean, look, look what you guys have. Like you're throwing to Marquez Callaway. You brought in Mark Ingram, who's been, you know, he's he's been around the block a few times, literally Dude, in one God. season. God, you're kind. In one season, man. I mean, I'm just saying, you got Trevor. You want to be a better person, but I know it can't happen. Dylan, you guys are you're. Listen, you're not. You have the same record as us, we pretty have much. To move on. We can, we can, but I'm just saying, keep the faith. Listen, New Orleans faithful, you're five and five. You hold a win over the Buccaneers. You're right in the hunt. You and the Eagles are in the hunt for a playoff berth. There are seven spots. Anything is possible, man. Don't give up hope. I think with Kamara, you're a different team and uh, a couple of pieces along that line that you're missing. So you guys will surprise some teams, man. I, I feel that there are a couple more wins where it's like, wow, the Saints beat a, 
a team with a 750 winning percentage. And then you'll drop a couple of games like this one where you probably should have beaten us. So, you know, uh, enough. Enough is enough, Dylan. Let's move on. Let's stay in the Net MC. Let's check out the most exciting game of the week, in my opinion. We had the Packers and the Vikings put on an absolute clinic on passing of the football. I've been one to poop all over Kirk Cousins, a guy who is the checkdown king, as some call him, Mr. Checkdown. Mr. Do you like that? No, we don't. Well, we did. He was throwing the ball. He was pushing the ball down the field. Justin Jefferson was – he just – he went off. Adam Thielen continues to make sideline toe-tap catches. And then on the other side was your favorite player, my favorite player, a very bad man. He was dealing, man. Nobody, and I mean nobody, Dylan, in the NFL throws a better football than Aaron Rodgers. Don't at me. I don't care about these young guys. Watching Aaron Rodgers is an absolute masterpiece. I am grateful. I am thankful. I will say it over the turkey. I am thankful that I got to watch the Packers and the Vikings. It felt like whoever had the ball last would win this game, and that's exactly what happened. This game was a lot of fun, man, and it's it'll be interesting to see how this division plays out. Packers have a big lead still over the Vikings, but the Vikings got a game on them, so anything's possible. Indeed, anything is possible. Aaron Rodgers, I believe he even had like a really bad toe injury in this game, and he said it was just like extremely painful to play on. I've never had a toe injury that significant, but I can only imagine what he was dealing with. So if Aaron Rodgers was hurt and he was still dealing like that, that's impressive. But you're right. The Vikings were able to get him. I thought it was a little odd that they want to really, I guess, kick a field goal in that position, you know. But then again, they've probably seen Aaron Rodgers just break their hearts so many times like they literally just don't want to just give him literally a second to even try to win the game. Uh, The Vikings are on a two-game win streak right now where you're right. We all thought they were kind of just like, okay, the Vikings are who we thought they were. They're going to end up being a losing team, blah, 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 blah. Where would you rate Kirk Cousins as far as quarterback? Oh, man. What a deadly question. Um, I think, and I might get some heat for this, I would have to run through the list of QBs, Dylan, but I think Kirk Cousins is easily a top 15 quarterback, like top half of the NFL. Okay, well, this is playing into my point perfectly. So you're basically just saying he is literally the midway point of the NFL. Sure. Yeah, at least. Perfect. Okay. So that's where organizations need to just look at their quarterback and say, is he better than Kirk Cousins? Keep him. Is Kirk Cousins better? Get rid of him. Because that's where we kind of see Kirk Cousins has been normally his entire career, just kind of winning quietly. But, he, you know, these are the 12 o'clock slate games. He gets into that afternoon primetime. That's where he becomes, you know, instead of Kirk Cousins, he becomes uh, Mistake Cousins. And <laughs> it's terrible because I, I can't remember the score or I can't remember the stat, but it, it's it's bad when it comes to Kirk Cousins in primetime. Oh, it's uh, awful. Yeah, I can't pull it off right in front of me, but I know it's not only a losing record, but it's like a how is this possible type. Did you also know, Rob, that the Vikings are the only team in the NFL that have led in every single game by seven points at one point in the game? 
In every single game? Every single game, at one point, the Vikings had a seven-point lead. I mean, I can. Be- I, the only reason I find that hard to believe is because I can't believe that they've had that many leads with Kirk Cousins checking the ball down. Like, wow. Like, I just – with Mike Zimmer running the show, I'm, I just – I would tell you you're a liar that that's not possible. Well, they're stuck in purgatory. So they're going to be just good enough to either get into the playoffs or miss the playoffs by one or two games, but they're not bad enough to start looking toward the future. They're literally stuck just right at that nine and eight, nine, seven, one, ten, uh, if, if it's possible, ten, five, two rain, you know, that's, I really believe we have seen the absolute peak with Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins. But, again, Minnesota looks like they're having a really good year. They're not going to – unless Rick Spielman just kind of feels the heat from the owners that he can potentially be out, then I can see there being some, you know, quick reactive movement. But, you know, uh, someone uh, pointed out to me the other day, it's like, well, this is a – this is a – a 2021 year, this is when they're going to, the Vikings are make the playoffs. I said, what? They're like, go look at the, uh, the history of uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Like as far as like making the playoffs with Kirk cousins and Mike Zimmer, oddly enough, they're odd number of years. That's so funny. What a weird trend. Very weird trend. It just seems like that's just what we, that seems like that's just the main narrative with the Vikings. Like they have a lot of weird stats. Like they're a part of that weird mailing list where you get just bunches and bunches of just crap that you don't even keep up with. And when you, when your friends see it, they're like, what kind of mailing list do you want? Just be like, I don't know. I'm just a lot of, a lot of weird people get my address, but that just feels like what the Vikings are. There's just a lot of weird stats and weird statistics and just weird narratives that follow them. But if they make the playoffs and if their team shows that they're good, which obviously, as you're saying, Thielen's still doing his thing. Dalvin Cook's a stud. If any of you that are listening right now don't believe that Justin Jefferson is a top 10 wide receiver in the league, you're not watching football or you don't know a damn thing about what you're watching. Or you're Amish and you don't watch NFL. Well, even the Amish can, you know, get letters or get, you know, recordings or Morris code of how great Justin Jefferson is. (laughs) It's insane, man. Like, I mean, now you look back and you're like, God, no wonder LSU had the season that they had with Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and, Joe Burrow slinging. It's like, God, no wonder they just kicked everyone's ass when you look where we are now with those specific players. And, you know, Justin Jefferson just – you talk about having a chip on their shoulder. That guy was a two-star recruit and from Louisiana. Uh, went uh, Obviously, LSU gets drafted by the Vikings in the first round where everyone believed he was the fourth best receiver in that class. And he came in with a lot of – expectations and he has done nothing but exceed them every chance he's been given. I'm happy for Justin Jefferson. Again, I believe he's a top 10 all pro wide receiver. Kirk Cousins just needs to just not be terrible and yeah, they can win games. But again, as far as like where they are as an organization, they're just 
stuck. Would you rather be Rob, would you rather be terrible and then eventually get better, or would you rather just be stuck, make the playoffs, but you know no. that they're going to get no. bounced in the first? No, no, no. So I would not rather be that. That's the Eagles. I don't. I don't. I, I know what that's like. Before I even got the question. Out. Yeah, I don't know why you asked me that stupid question, Dillian. No, I would rather be terrible. Give me four and twelve. Give me four and thirteen. Blow it up. Recognize your mistakes. You know, just have somebody beat you in a submission. Like you're just begging them to stop, and they're just beating you and beating you and beating you. Not, you know, well, it's okay. And they're doing passive aggressive comments, and they're stealing your lunch money, and they're slicing your tires. No, beat the shit out of me so I can know what I did wrong, and I can learn and I can move on. I don't want to be Kirk Cousins in the Vikings. All props to them. I feel like we're giving them tons and tons of glory. Look, Aaron Rodgers is out there playing on a broken toe or whatever he had. The loss of Aaron Jones was huge in this game. You want to talk about having another guy, another weapon in the receiving and the running game? Listen, A.J. Dillon was great. He, For what he was, he was great. He's a slower, bigger, stronger, more physical guy. But Aaron Jones can run between the tackles. He can run outside. He can beat you to the pylon every single time. He's more of a Dalvin Cook type of player. And – the Packers still almost won that game. They had two interceptions, two bad throws by Kirk Cousins, two typical Kirk Cousins throws overturned. I was going to say, can you imagine if Darnell Savage hung on to that ball? Can you imagine if, if the Cousins Can you imagine if the Packers defensive lineman lowers his target or is just a little bit shorter and his helmet doesn't clink with Kirk Cousins' helmet and there's not a personal foul call? 10 seconds after the interception. I mean, come on, man. Like the Vikings got more lucky than, than great in that game. They did some great things. It's great to have a Dalvin cook who can move the chains when you need it the most. And then, like I said, Kirk cousins, for whatever reason, it must be the odd thing. Maybe this was the odd game, the odd week. I don't know, but he was pushing the ball down the field. And whenever he was, he was fine in 18. Justin Jefferson was an absolute nightmare for them all game long. So, Hats off to the Vikings. You're five and five. I still think the Packers are arguably the best team in the NFC, if not the Bucks. So they're fine, man. Well, and the Cardinals. So no disrespect to the Cardinals, who actually <laughs> leads me to my next point. Leads me to my next point. I'm getting hot. And I think it's because my heat's set to 74 for some reason. Or it could be that I'm thinking about this game that I had to watch. I had to watch the Seahawks. I bet on the Seahawks. I know this isn't a betting show, 1-800-GAMBLING. If you have a problem, you or a loved one, don't empty the bank account, especially if you're picking the Seahawks. Dylan, all factors pointed to this being an absolute win for the Seahawks. We find out K1, doubtful, 70% chance he doesn't play. Then we find out he might play Sunday morning. Then we find out definitely not playing. He's out. The leaks come out. Okay. We get the Colt McCoy game in Seattle, 12th man, November. It's cold. It's nasty. This is when the Seahawks win, right? Russell Wilson's back, two games removed from an injury. Nope. Nope. We didn't get any of that. We didn't get Russell Wilson's back. We didn't get Sierra. We didn't get baby future. We got more of the same. Mediocre football that the Cardinals won – because it was just two bad teams and 
A.J. Green made a couple of catches. Colt McCoy threw a football, and James Conner did what he's been doing all year long. He got a, a touchdown. But I just don't know. I don't know what you do with Russell Wilson. I, I think they brought him back too soon. But the Cardinals, once again, this is what great teams do. Great teams continue to win when there's absolutely no reason they should be winning. They don't have Nuke. Chase Edmonds, an integral part of that offense, is out. And then Kyler Murray, the most fun Baby Yoda quarterback that ever Baby Yoda'd, is out. And after the bye, he will have been out for like a month. But they win with Colt McCoy. Wasn't he on a desk somewhere recently? Like, why? Why are the Seahawks playing like this, Dylan? Answer me that. Why? (laughs) (laughs) That's an evil laugh. Uh, what's wrong, Dylan? Oh well, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna go against the grain here. Oh, I'm gonna gosh. start off by giving props to Colt McCoy and specifically mm. Cliff Kingsbury. Okay, I have been talking mad shit on Cliff Kingsbury just because. <laughs> It's really hard for me just philosophically as, and how the NFL is set up as far as the physical aspect. It's really hard for me to see a four or five wide finesse, like kind of flashy run and gun air raid offense do well and like really thrive because there's not a lot of like physicality with that type of game. So just again, philosophically, I just don't think that Cliff Kingsbury's system can really do well each week he proves me wrong because he's back to what he was doing not last year but the year before last where if something comes up into a game he's very quick to adjust it and I believe that's where Vance Joseph his defensive coordinator a longtime veteran NFL coach is really playing into his favor especially being in Cliff Kingsbury's ear and saying you know do this do that you know just giving advice cliff kingsbury i believe is the coach of the year he has he's been you colt mccoy has been useful with cliff kingsbury because let's keep in mind folks cliff kingsbury and colt mccoy they didn't go to the same school but they went to the same they went to the same universities within the same state. So Cliff Kingsbury was the quarterback and eventually the head coach for the Texas Tech Raiders. And Colt McCoy was one of the most, if not the winningest quarterback that Texas has ever seen or at this rate Texas ever will see. And so just their philosophies as far as, you know, passing, being nimble, being, you know, finesse, all of that, you know, it's just really tough to just think that that's going to do well. But again, it continues to not only do well, it continues to really beat down on teams and come away with wins. They have come away with beating not just the Seahawks, but also the uh, in their own division, the San Francisco 49ers by more than 10 points with a backup quarterback. That's incredibly impressive. That is that's phenomenal coaching. And I'm going to give it to Cliff Kingsbury, man. He is – I know it's not, it's not just me that he's proven wrong, but – Me too. 
I mean, a lot of people, man, like not a lot of people were, I don't want to say convinced because obviously if you get hired as, you know, an NFL head coach, you're convincing a billionaire is investing in you. And normally they don't make that many mistakes, but I mean, he, he has done exceptionally well. Steve Kime, the general manager, has done a terrific job bringing in the talent to do this well, even, as you were saying, without K-1, without DeAndre Hopkins. Chase Edmonds is down. You know, it, it just doesn't matter. It's a next-man-up mentality. Uh, of course, when J.J. Watt went down, yet they're still consistently generating pressure. It's, it's a well-coached team, and I'm going to give major props to Cliff Kingsbury. Not only – is Cliff Kingsbury the coach of the year. But he just showed every one of us that on Sunday, he is not only a much better coach than Pete Carroll, he is far ahead of Pete Carroll when it comes to the NFL. And Pete Carroll has been to two Super Bowls, won one, lost another on, you guessed it, questionable play call. Since that play, in that Super Bowl, questionable play call and tension has followed Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. And it's starting to really come to fruition. It, I mean, it was, you know, peeking its head out early, but it's really just starting to really amp up now. Because, again, I keep telling everyone, I'm waiting for Russell Wilson to stop being a professional athlete. I want him to be just explode because he has the ability to do so. He needs to force a power play. He needs to force Pete Carroll into retirement or just out. And Russell Wilson has the ability to do that because Pete Carroll is just, it, it's terrible. You, you, Ladies and gentlemen, they were at home. It, as you were saying, it, it's the North, it's the, you know, the Northwest, it's rainy. It's cold. It's th- this is when the Seahawks thrive, especially with their home crowd, and they're playing a backup quarterback. I know Miller. I know it. Daddy's a little <laughs> upset, but don't worry. It's pass. Don't worry. Bubby's. Anyway, Bubby's is upset because Bubby can sense Daddy's heart rate elevating, and uh, he's a good Bubs for recognizing that. But <laughs> I'm just saying, you're hosting the. <laughs> Arizona Cardinals with a backup quarterback who used to play for San Francisco, so you know, and you've played against him, so you know his tendencies, and yet you still lose by 10. The the, the offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, for the Seattle Seahawks was a terrible hire, and that's really showing. Now, you did point out that Russell is hurt and they rushed him too back. They 100% did. They 100% rushed Russ, yeah. Rush, Rush, Russell. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, Rush, Russell. Yeah, they, they rushed him back way too soon, and he it looks like he's already having discomfort throwing the ball anyway. DK Metcalf would have had an amazing one-handed touchdown uh, catch, but you know the key word into that is would have. But you know it doesn't really matter at that point. I think Russell Wilson really needs to force a power play. And I know he probably won't do it now, but he needs to. They're the worst team in that division. To go from 12-4 and four last year to maybe going to win six or seven games, maybe, 
and their defense is giving up now 400 yards per game. Like their defense is now just as bad as the Kansas City Chiefs were at the beginning of the year. It's not looking good. It's getting bad very quickly. It reminds me, and I'm not even a Pac-12 fan, it reminds me of how bad it was when Pete Carroll, like towards the end of his uh, USC days, where all those dark clouds are really roaming over the entire program. It's, it's got those kind of feels. Big difference, though. Pete Carroll doesn't have a owner to really give him any feedback. So I feel like the only way the owner can really step in and at least make her presence known or at least make it a little bit easier to control is for Russell Wilson to say, I need Pete gone. Either go chew your gum and fly fish in Montana (laughs) or go back to South Carolina and just be a consultant for USC. I just need you gone. I don't need you here anymore. Pete Carroll has done what he needs to do. And Russell Wilson is now to the point to where you really need to start thinking about your legacy. Because right now, this is the worst season that you're a part of as a professional athlete. It's tough to watch, man. It's tough to see Russell Wilson come back and want to be out there, want to make these throws. And he just he just doesn't look the same. You know, he's he's thrown he a couple of Stop short... being a professional. Stop yeah. being a professional. No, he Unload. does. They Unwind. I look, look. go off. Break <laughs> shit. You know, walk nah, it's not who he is. TV, you Did know. you see go. his post game press conference? It was the nicest press conference I've ever witnessed. Of course. He's a nice guy. He's like literally a nice guy. And he's just problem. He's and unlike somebody else who we talked about earlier not taking accountability for their problems, he's still up there just taking it on the chin and excited about what the next five games holds according to him and how they can get better. And I'm like, bruh, you're, you're two game, you're two games back of the Niners. Like you're like half a season back of the cards. And yeah, you and the Rams have both lost two in a row, but you were two very different offenses. Like Dylan, if you told me, I mean, most of us, maybe not you, most of us picked the cards to come in third or last in that division. And it wasn't because we hated them. But again, our disdain for Kingsbury and what we thought was just not going to work has flipped completely upside down. And we're looking at the Seahawks not be able to score points. And it's it's not something we're used to. I think Russ came back. You, you see what the organization means to him, man. You see what football means to Russ. He was doing all the weird stuff. He's a weird guy. He was doing the pregame walkthroughs. He was out there with the finger splint or whatever. Every internet doctor you see who talks about the timetable for return from that injury does not have him coming back when he did. Typically, when you come back and you just alpha your way through something like that, you kind of just, it just kind of doesn't heal properly or it gets worse and you end up getting shut down. So, Sadly enough, Dylan, you know, the writing seems to be on the wall. It seems like you might be a a fortune teller because I could very well see the Seahawks shutting him down and potentially doing what you've been calling for all year long. And that is to fire Pete Carroll. Thank you. A little a little slow on the uptake. I know Monday Night Football started. We're all excited. But, yes, to fire Pete Carroll. 
Yeah, because I was looking at these records, and if the Giants lose tonight, they have the exact same record as the Seattle Seahawks. Well, the Giants are a bad team, so what's your point? Yeah, and yeah, what does that tell you? Well, that the Seahawks are also a bad team. Very good. I mean, can you name can you name me two starters in the Seahawks secondary? Go. Trey Brown and um, Jamal Adams. Trey Brown? Yeah, from University of Oklahoma. He's actually right now one of the top-rated rookie cornerbacks stop in the it. league despite being on the team. Look it up. You stop that. Look it up. Okay, I believe you. Yeah, speaking of Jamal Adams, I'm surprised he doesn't make a play. But, hey, he just got paid, so he don't really care. Jamal Adams is not there to make plays. He's there to wear accessories. We've been over this. That's his job. I don't know that Jamal Adams has three career interceptions. So, uh, yeah, stumped yeah. you because you probably yeah. are like, yeah, I don't think he does. Like, yeah, maybe at LSU within a three-year span, but. Well, I th- yeah, I think at LSU he played more of a traditional. Safety. Safety as opposed to a linebacker. Like safety, yeah, instead of like, <laughs> a, you know, they just thought, oh, okay, this is our new Cam Chancellor. But it's like, well, the thing about Cam Chancellor is that Cam Chancellor also played safety. Right now, you're just using Jamal Adams. It's just nothing but a pass rusher. A, yeah, a dime linebacker. Where, why? Like, it's just, it's again, like, there's a reason that they're giving up 400 yards a game. I'm not surprised by any of this. I'm actually kind of happy because it, it just shows that it, it just gives our listeners literally a timeline of how something can play out and you really just see it happening and you basically get a front row seat as to how it literally unfolds. It's like, hey, this is the side of the coin that a lot of people don't talk about. Why? Because it's kind of cutthroat and it's kind of harsh. But guess what? You're seeing it play out and you're seeing it exists right in front of you no one's just really ever put it like pointed it out to you though Uh, i hate to see it i just i love russell wilson russell wilson is still i almost said was russell wilson is still one of my top i would say russell wilson to me personally is one of my top three players in the nfl to watch and to root for i think i think he has changed a little bit since getting all the money but it's not too much for the bad he's still never going to be a guy that his name is in the, you know, in the news cycle for doing something bad. He's not going to be stealing or at the club till 4 a.m. or, you know, cheating on his wife with all these other girls. As far as I know, I don't know him, but I don't know. He's just a guy I've always wanted to emulate, always wanted to be like. You know, he's got the the mixed race families. He's got the underdog thing. He's got the North Carolina State, then Wisconsin, then told he was always too short, too small. He and I are about the same height, but he's obviously like less than 1% tile of an amazing athlete, and I'm just another guy recording a podcast. So huge differences there. But, man, Dylan, I just hope that it ends in a positive fashion for Russell Wilson. I would love him on the Eagles, but I am not ready to do that because I want to see what Hurts does. Now, what about the Saints? I said it last week, pretty much at this point, anything that Sean Payton does is a selling point to either. And the three quarterbacks that I named were Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, and Aaron Rodgers. Right now, it seems week by week that Aaron Rodgers won't leave. Well, yeah, they agree. Would you like – okay, would you rather have 
I mean, this sounds like a dumb question. Would you rather have Derek Carr or Russell Wilson? Obviously, Russell Wilson, right? Yes. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where he goes. Dylan, we've rambled for almost an hour and a half, if not longer. Let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. We've got Monday Night Football. I've got burnt chicken on the stove that needs to go in my belly, some salad. i got a nice little meal. Might bust out a little bit of whiskey. But I want to get your predictions. we got Tampa Bay and the Giants. We've already missed the first quarter. Tampa takes an early lead. Chris Godwin touchdown. They're up 7-zip. Who do you think wins this game? Does Tom Brady lose three in a row for the first time in his career? Can the Giants and DJ pull the upset? No, I'm going with Tom Brady. As you were saying right now, he has the he has the best ability and the path to win MVP. Uh, with that comes a narrative of not only being the better team and the top or the top of the standings, and the better team is when the season ends but also the fact that he could potentially pass for well over 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. And right now he's off to a, again, continued start. I'm going, I'm rolling with the Tampa Bay Bucks. I feel like this is where they kind of, uh, you know, they're coming off their bye, So they're kind of, um, they're kind of getting their minds right to uh, make their, uh, make their run for the Super Bowl. Yeah, I see this being a blowout, if I'm honest. I don't even think this one will be close. I think the closing line was right around 10 and a half points. I want to get your take from that angle really quickly you think the bucks cover that ten and a half is a lot for an nfl a lot of points for an nfl game we saw what ten and a half does with the texans and the bike and the titans if anyone was crazy enough to take that line which a lot of people were (laughs) A a lot of people lost money well I'm going to say no because, again, that's a lot for even for a terrible team in the Giants. Also, uh, the the head coach, Joe Judge, used to be the special teams uh, coordinator for the New England Patriots. So I just feel as though with that familiarity with how Brady likes to play and what he likes to do, we'll definitely just kind of play a little bit of an advantage. And uh, Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator for the Giants, uh, within the last two years has gotten a lot of buzz as a potential uh, emerging head coaching candidate. This is a nice little platform for him to really just kind of stump Brady and at least just uh, show that he can kind of shut down one of the greatest. It's not off to a good start. Not at all. Giants get a field goal at 7-3. Dylan, thank you for being here. Want to give a special shout-out to Justin. He couldn't be with us. He's got uh, a flu or a stomach bug or something. The status is pending. Status is unknown, but I know he had a cough, and we definitely didn't want him coughing all over the mic. So, Justin, get better. The boys will be back in full effect next week, I hope. As always, Dylan, thank you, man. Enjoy your night. Enjoy your evening. Until I see you again next time. Thank you. Get well, Justin. Thank you all for listening. Please leave a review. Who dat? Who dat? Go Birds, baby. We're out.